0: For 30-plus years, I've seen every type of child grow up.
1: Instead of giving me what I wanted, she gave me what I needed, which was truth.
0: Don't let emotions win. Let truth win. Do your very best, and you should have a lot of fun while you do it. And the better you get at something, the more fun you're going to have at something. You moms and dads are wired with everything you need to be a parent to a great kid. Welcome to Parenting Great Kids. This is episode number 146, and I am your host, Dr. Meg Meeker. Friends, my goal with each podcast is to help you be the parent you want to be. I interview child and adolescent experts so that you can understand your kids and why they do what they do. I'll give you tools to grow them into amazing kids. No topic is off limits, so if there's a subject that you would like discussed let me know. Again, these podcasts are for you. At the end of each podcast, I'll give you three points to ponder, which are takeaways that you can start using right away. And remember, when you listen to the podcast, subscribe. Every episode contains the most up to date professional help on a variety of issues. PGK is on iTunes, Stitcher, and the Google Play Store. If you struggle to find answers to your questions that you can trust, no matter what the issue is with your your kids. If you want medically accurate answers, join my Parenting Great Kids community. There's a lot of parenting advice and information out there, but honestly, friends, a lot of it isn't good. In the private PGK community, I answer parent questions, post videos on a variety of topics. I do live seminars and post new courses every month on common parenting issues. So if you need a community of parents and me to help you along, go to ParentingGreatKids.com or just visit my website, MeekerParenting.com. Today, I have an extraordinary man joining me. This is going to be a tough podcast, but you need to listen to it. My guest is Roger Martin. Roger Martin is the chairman and CEO of Humans Against Trafficking. Humans Against Trafficking is a nonprofit with a mission to prevent human trafficking through the development of advanced technology platforms and large-scale social media. Roger developed an iPhone app for parents that you need to download called Radley, R-A-D-L-E-E, which identifies common predatory tactics in the types of posts that attract the attention of online predators. Results are then summarized so parents can easily identify the concerning posts and accounts. You can learn more at GetRadley.com. The documentary stolen that Roger included the link to watch is eye-opening. It's alarming and disturbing, but every parent needs to watch it or go to Roger Martin's work and check out Humans Against Trafficking. Roger was in the U.S. Navy. He graduated from Stanford University Graduate School of Business also attended the University of San Diego School of Law. While he was at University of San Diego Law School, he graduated magna cum laude. He graduated from the University of California, San Diego as an undergraduate, and he went to Fuller Theologic Seminary. So this is a man who knows what he's talking about. He's the founder and chairman and CEO of Humans Against Trafficking, chairman of the board of Free to Thrive, and a member of the board of directors of Wedgwood Circle. Now on to my points to ponder. One, be on guard. As tough as it is to think about our daughter or son being trafficked, it's a sad reality of our culture today. Pay attention to who your kids are talking to online particularly social media. If you tell them you need to see who they're talking to on Instagram and what you're doing on TikTok and so forth, they will balk and they'll say that your interest invades their privacy. Oh, well, your number one job as a parent is to keep them safe. They can have plenty of privacy other places that won't bring them harm. Two, talk to your kids about sex trafficking. Kids are notoriously naive, even when they're older teens. Cognitive development issues prevent them from thinking about the fact that things can happen to them. Tell your teens what to look for in predators. They look for people who quote, understand them better than anyone else. They tell them they're beautiful, amazing, talented, and they want to meet them say for coffee or wherever. Tell your kids if any stranger wants to meet them, do not meet them don't believe photos they send and tell your kids to understand what grooming is and help them to recognize. And if they recognize some grooming, they need to tell you right away. Three, teach your kids to refuse sexual talk. Many predators will tell your kids that they're sexy, they look older than they are, and they tell them how wonderful it would be to have sex with them. If kids see this in social media, Facebook, anywhere, they're to shut this kind of talk down right away. And I have a fourth point to ponder today. Predators can be women. Most kids think that predators are older men, but this isn't true. Many groomers will use young women to allure young girls and boys. So walk through different scenarios of men or women will try to convince your kids that they can help them have a happier life. I know you're going to learn a lot from my interview with Roger. Well, Roger, thank you so much for joining me today on Parenting Great Kids.
2: Thanks for uh, inviting me to join. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: You bet. You know, this is a tough topic to talk about sex trafficking. And I know one that, you know, makes parents extremely nervous. I, I know me, I'm a mother of four grown kids and now grandchildren. And I think that having a child sex trafficked is just about the worst experience that you could have. So tell me a little bit about how you got involved in um, fighting sex trafficking.
2: Yeah, thanks. A great question. I started um, not in the business of preventing sex trafficking. In fact, I my background is in technology. And I spent 25 years. I uh, started at a small tech company that became a very big tech company. And on my 25-year work anniversary, I decided to retire and start moving in the direction of using technology to fight human trafficking. And the reason I did is because I had some friends who would approached me and asked me to help with uh, you know, fundraising, things like that. But the more I learned about the issue, the more I felt like maybe there was something else I could bring to the table from my own experience.
0: Um, so before you went into it, did you know anything about it? Um, you know, that's a very hard transition to make from yep. I have a big tech company to GWAS, I'll, I'll do work on sex trafficking. Um, other than friends talking to you about it, did you have any experience? Did you know much about sex trafficking?
2: I, I actually didn't. And in fact, in that way, I'm very much like most parents. I have four daughters and a son myself. And I watched all of my four daughters grow up uh, in their teens with social media and being a little bit too active on social media. And so I had no idea how much of a risk that. Really put those kids in, put my daughters in, until I started uh, talking with people who were working in the in the space. I thought sex trafficking was something that happened overseas, in Thailand, you know, somewhere in Russia, and or I thought it was, you know, something that happened only, uh, you know, to kids who were kidnapped or something to that effect. And I was actually very surprised to learn that in the United States, about eighty percent of the kids that are being trafficked are U.S. citizens. They were born and raised in the U.S. They're kids from all walks of life, all neighborhoods, you know, all backgrounds, and they're not being abducted. They're being lured and they're being manipulated and groomed uh, on social media. Since, since about t- 2015 or so, uh, more than half of the kids that are being sex trafficked in the United States were recruited off of social media. And the number one place they were been recruited was Instagram. So I felt like I could maybe take some technology and apply it to that problem. Like, how could I keep kids from being recruited off Instagram? So that's what we set about to do.
0: So let's walk through the specifics of that. Um, let's say a parent has a 14-year-old girl. She right. looks at Instagram a lot. She's on social media. What would she encounter if, if somebody began grooming her? How would he reach out to her? What would she respond? What would he say?
2: Yeah, we learned after looking at about 2 million profiles um, and interactions on Instagram that there's there's just a small handful of approaches that a predator will use. On Instagram, because the culture of Instagram is about modeling, it's about fashion, about uh, personality and being an influencer, most of the approaches by the successful predators are ones that promise the young girl... That they could be an influencer, or he or she could help the young girl in their career. So a typical approach would be, "Hey, you've got just the look we're looking for. I'm a modeling agent, or I'm a casting agent. I'm a photographer. Let's meet and make your dreams come true." You know, just uh, hit me back on, and it's typically they ask for the return uh, on some secure communication like WhatsApp or or something like that, because they don't want to have the, the the communication out in the open, but some of the some of the approaches that look like it's somebody trying to help you in fact most of the approaches that look like it's somebody trying to help your child um they play to that desire to be discovered they play to that desire to be liked they play to the desire you know the the sort of fairy tale of uh hey i've got what it takes to be you know a successful you know in this industry and all they need is just a little bit of response from the child and then they can take it from there however the the young girl responds they know how to sort of counter her you know arguments or how to lead next they've got a playbook
0: so they start a dialogue with the girl which i'm sure feels wonderful because she's looking for um affirmation uh it makes her feel great that she's she's very pretty then she goes on to this secure site how long after a girl starts communicating with a trafficker is there before the time she starts communicating and the time they meet up and how does she meet up with these guys
2: yeah these are great questions the, the time frames for meetup are shorter than you might think the first meetups tend to happen within just a couple of weeks that is uh, you know the predator is very good at making Ah, uh, personal meeting sound very, you know, very attractive to them. Very much in their best interest, and so they'll meet in often in a public place. But often they'll some of these predators will like rent a a small studio, right, as a place that looks like a place of business, and they'll and they'll meet these girls. And the whole idea is they're not going to abduct, abduct them from that studio. What they're going to do is gain their trust. They're going to do a fake photo shoot. They're going to try to build over time. And test the boundaries that the, the young girl or boy is willing to you know willing to go up against. If if they're willing to show a little bit more skin, they're encouraged to. Uh, and the the person, the photographer, will say, "Hey, everybody does it. You know, let me just let's first take a back nude. You know, you're not showing anything." And then they'll convince them a side nude, and then like a front nude. And once they have some compromising photos, that's when that's when things turn, and that can happen within a month or so. Um, that's typically the time frame is is a lot shorter than you might think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You think of it, uh, you know, about six months and you think of when I think of sex trafficking, I think of the child who's playing in the yard and a car pulls up and they grab the kid, throw him in the car and you never see the the child again. Um, But that's pretty rare, isn't it? Yes. In fact,
2: it actually is. So um, trafficking can happen through three ways, force, which is abducting somebody, fraud, tricking them into thinking that, you know, they've got a real job when it's really gonna turn into a sex job and other kinds of coercion, which is like the blackmail. If you get nude photos of a child and then you say, hey, you're gonna have to take some nude photos more with me or you're gonna have to take some sexual photos for me. Otherwise, I'm gonna show these to your parents or I'm gonna show them to your friends at school or I'm gonna post them on social media and tag you in them. Mm -hmm. And uh, so if you imagine, A young kid that age um, is really just, they're scared, they're backed into a corner, they suddenly realize they've done something that they might be ashamed of and they don't know what to do. And so that's about 95% of the time. Only about 5% of the time is it abducted. And we're talking about somewhere over 100,000 kids. The National Center for Missing Exploited Children estimates there's maybe between 100,000 and 300,000 kids being trafficked in the U.S. right now. And the vast majority of them were being trafficked in, uh because they were manipulated they they think they think they have to go along with it and it's not a uh, sort of you know tied up in chains uh, or or right. thrown in the back of a car
0: so they hook the girls then they may blackmail them and then where does it go from there do they? Do they have the girls come back and back and back, or do they set them up with other guys uh, to meet somewhere to have sex? I mean, I assume with trafficking, there's usually an ongoing relationship. Is that true?
2: Yes, it is. And both of those ways uh, are ways for it to proceed. And they do proceed in parallel because the trafficker can make money both off pornography that involves the child by selling that pornography and off of live sex acts. And I know that's a very hard thing to talk about, but ultimately they can sell that child repeatedly, let's say 10 times a day to 10 different oh. people. And so they be, because they're in business to make money and they're sociopathic, they're they're willing to do everything and get started right away. And so it can turn very, very quickly. And, and the only way that the parent might notice is the parent might notice that the kid starts to show some effects of trauma that the parent doesn't recognize this trauma, you know, mm-hmm. starts to do poorly in school, be alienated from friends, not really want to relate to anybody because they, they don't feel like they can relate to their peers anymore. And so things kind of go downhill from there. And depending on the skill of the, the trafficker, um, they may even convince the kid that it's time to leave home. That is, you, you know, You've already crossed the line. Your parents would never love you if they found out about that. I'm the only one who loves you. I'll protect you. Come with me. You know, we'll make money together. And there's other psychological tricks they use. But the idea is um, within a couple of months, that that kid is disappearing, if you would, or running away with. And maybe they think they're running away with uh, their trafficker.
0: You know, we talked about girls being trafficked through Instagram. Is there a profile uh, and I know it's hard, of typical kind of girl that gets lured in, or, yes. or or is it not?
2: Yeah, the the thing that most of the kids have in common is sort of this desire for validation uh, and sort of self-esteem issues that drive that desire for validation from strangers, and, and they seem trying too hard or too hungry. And that is an odd thing for for us to like to put a finger on, like, how would you tell by looking at a profile whether somebody's trying too hard? Well, the people that are sex trafficking recruiters, they know what they're looking for, and this kind of gets to what our solution was. Um, those kinds of problems, like uh, sort of looking at the whole picture of the person and characterizing them according to you know their behavior. That's something that artificial intelligence is really good at. For example, if if you're on Instagram and you're posting pictures of your dog, pretty soon you're going to get dog food commercials in your feed. That's because Instagram has AI that looks at what you're posting and and the commenting and who you're following and characterizes you for consumer purposes. So it can sell you ads and it can sell you products. Well, the same thing sort of happens in the sex trafficking world that is... A human being is flipping through Instagram, sort of one picture at a time, looking at a bunch of kids, um, looking for racy photos and sexier hashtags and flirty comments and and certain signals in the bio. Maybe the person's age is in the bio, or their location is in the bio, or they look a little bit alternative, or they they're, they they sh- they say that they're sad or that they're lonely or that they really you know want attention or something to that effect. And the sex trafficker can send out, let's say, a hundred. Different approaches in a single day oh. uh, to a hundred different kids, right? It's 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 not like they have to meet in person. The, the power of social media is you can contact people wherever they are, and he doesn't need all of them to hit. He or she only needs one to hit, right? If they got one a day, that's that's you know better than that's that's a huge batting average, right? So then they start the grooming process from there. Whichever kids respond in a positive way.
0: Um. You know, I, you always think of, um, and this is my bias, and I shouldn't be biased because I've been a pediatrician for over 30 years, and you think, well, nothing can surprise me, and then something does. In, your, in our minds, we typically think of, you know, the kid who's run away from home, the kid who doesn't have um, parents, uh, maybe they're homeless, maybe they're on drugs. Mm-hmm. But you're describing kids that aren't necessarily like that. You're just describing no. girls who... Uh, maybe very vulnerable. Maybe they're even having a bad day. They just had a fight with their parents and they go on Instagram. Oh, I can't stand my parents. Nobody understands me. And bingo, somebody's right there on them. Is there a typical age that this happens? I mean, girls and boys, I don't mean to talk just about girls, but 10, 15, 18.
2: Yeah. the, The average age that someone gets recruited off of social media is 14 and uh there's a couple of reasons for that but it can it can range down to as soon as as soon as the kid gets on social media they tend to be at risk and you're you're exactly right it there are both homeless you know at-risk kids who get picked up easy uh they get picked up at the bus station they, they stand out from a crowd and and a trafficker sort of picks them up and offers them food in return for you know the sex uh, work however the kids that are online they really are that just the kids who might have had a bad day with their parents or with their friends or something. And they are just in that vulnerable mood at that point that they might respond to something that they're not sure if it's, if it's real or not, but they're going to respond and ultimately, um, that's the numbers game that the sex trafficking recruiter plays on Instagram.
0: You know, and one of the things my I've heard parents say is, well, my kid's a good kid. She'd never do that. And I say, you know, the good girls are the ones I worry about because they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Sure. You know, they're afraid that this person on the other end is a nice person and they don't want to push him away. Um, I don't know if that's your experience, but, you know, I, I okay. get that all the time from parents. I don't need okay. to worry. She'd never do that. Yeah. But... What I have found is a lot of girls, good girls, whatever, will go on social media and try on a different persona. They say, you know, I get straight A's, um, I have a good relationship with my parents. I'm tired of this. I want to try on or try what it's like to be the bad girl. Do you see that or not? We
2: we, we do see that uh, that kids in general use social media to try out a whole bunch of different personalities, if you would, right? I mean, just to, to really, they're trying to discover who they are. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to do that in real life with their friends and or with their relationship with their parents, but they're also trying to do that online. And so they're very willing to take risks because they get the sense that social media is something that happens at a distance, right? It's something that happens where you're, you're in your own room, you know, you, you can you can feel comfortable and you don't feel like, you know, any predator is going to get you where you are. And so you're willing to take a little bit more risk. And as for parents who say, you know, my kid would never do that. One, one of the issues is, um, the the parents that think their kid would never do that. They tend to not really be in touch with what their kid is doing. It's not, it's not that the kid is bad. It's just that they, they give the kid a little bit less attention because they assume that the kid is acting acting, you know, and behaving correctly. And so one of the things that, you know, parents can do is sort of get involved, you know, in the right way in their, in their kids' social media use.
0: Friends, I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Roger Martin. I need to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. So let's turn the corner and let's do something to help parents because, as I said, this is a really hard topic. And, um, you know, I, I, your organization, Humans Against Trafficking, is uh, a nonprofit. And I would encourage Correct. anybody out there listening who has young girls or who, who's interested in this topic, wants to do something to uh, get a hold of you. But can you give us some concrete steps that parents can take to? begin to guard their kids against this
2: right the The number one thing above all that a parent can do is encourage their kid to make their social media profile private that
1: mm-hmm. is they can
2: still have their friends and interact with their friends but if they keep it private they eliminate uh you know a billion uh, onlookers right statistically it just reduces the number of uh, predatory approaches but in general um one of the things that they can do and what we you Know, we, we developed technology to help them do is to keep an eye on how their child is using social media. Mm-hmm. The app that we developed called Radley, R A D L E E, is in the Apple App Store. And basically, it answers two questions. First is, is my child doing anything that puts them at risk? Mm-hmm. I know my child's on social media. I, I, I'm not going to kick them off of social media because it's important in their lives, but are they doing anything that tends to attract predators? And then it answers the other question which is the worst question, is anybody who might be a predator already interacting with my child? Yeah. How would I know that? And, and the AI does two things. At first, it, it can characterize your child's behavior and compare it to what the s- typical sex trafficker is looking for. And then it can compare the comments and interactions that your child has with, a, with somebody who's a stranger, let's say, and, and decide whether that person's behavior, their, their language, their profile, their interactions with other people tends to meet the you know profile of a predator and we can flag that for parents and it basically it uses the latest expert knowledge about how this really plays out on Instagram what what you know what are the exact vocabulary that people use on Instagram you know what are the acronyms what what do various emojis mean on Instagram and so forth it sort of takes into account the expert knowledge puts that in the pocket of the parent. So that mm. they at least have some idea, um, you know, that, that they can they can stay on top of things a little bit better. A little peace of mind.
0: Is this an app that parents would put on their child's phone in addition to their own? Or does the child have to agree to having the app on there?
2: Uh, no, neither. Actually, those are there are parental monitoring softwares out there. And one of our views of that was... Um, first of all, kids tend to resent it, right? And they'll find Mm -hmm. ways around it. They'll create an alternate Instagram account that they call their Finsta or their fake Instagram account, right? There's the one that their parents can see and then there's Mm -hmm. the one that they use, right? uh, For their Mm -hmm. real personality. And the other thing about it is we want to have a healthy relationship with our children and you know, sort of spying on them or if they get the sense that you're spying on them, it's just going to push them into hiding more things. That is, if somebody were to approach them, um, they would really not want to tell their parents about it because of, you know, sort of fear of how their parents would react. So this is really just something that a parent can put on their own phone. Um, you don't need your kid's login or password. Uh, if your kid has a public profile, then you can see everything that a predator can see right uh, on your phone, but it gives you the expert knowledge to recognize the things that the predator already knows.
0: Okay. So if you have the app on your phone, but but how does it allow you to see what's on your kid's phone? Or do you just see what's on a predator's phone?
2: You, what you get to see is what is your child putting up on Instagram and what mm. are people doing publicly? So Instagram, it's the whole idea is the most exposure possible. Kids make their profile public because they want everyone yep. to see it. So, so everything that they put out there um, is anybody on the internet can see, including the predators. And what what Radley does is it it allows you to be able to think and see like a predator thinks and sees, and you can identify those things. Like if your if your kid is posting a bikini photo, that seems pretty obvious that you don't want your you know your 13 year old child or your 14 year old girl posting bikini photos. But there are other aspects, like just the pose, just the look on the face, just um, you know sort of suggestiveness uh, and raciness in the photo that our AI can pick up even if, you know, they're not dressed in a bikini, for example.
0: What about, you know, kids who text photos to one another or, you know, say a fifth grade boy texts a picture of himself nude to a young girl? Is there any way that Radley would help with that?
2: No, Radley is just looking at public information. And one of the reasons... One of the reasons for that is that's all the the predator can see, right? And so what we're really trying to do with Radley is eliminate sex trafficking recruiting on social media. We started with Instagram. We're actually, we're developing a TikTok version now because TikTok is, you know, suddenly exploding and more kids are going to TikTok than Instagram. And Mm -hmm. that should be ready. uh, You know, that's rolling out in, in just a month or two, actually.
0: Now, will that be a different app or will that be under Radley?
2: It'll be under Radley. It'll be an additional functionality that you would get with Radley. So the way Radley works right now is you download it onto your own phone. You're the parent. You download it onto your own phone. It asks you what your kid's Instagram handle is. you mm-hmm. enter that. and and to make sure that you, you know you're not uh, looking at st- stuff you shouldn't, um, you know we we put limitations on uh, who who you can look at and how many you can look at. And if you choose it, nobody else can. So just downloading the app and putting your kid's profile on it means that nobody else can start using Radley to see what your child is doing. But okay. the idea is that we only use publicly available information. Mm-hmm. We don't invade the privacy of either the parent or the child. We don't sell any information. We just help parents make sense out of what they can see Um And they may, may, you know, what they look at on their child's profile may bother them, but they're not entirely sure whether it crosses a line and they're not Mm -hmm. entirely sure whether anything bad has happened. And Radley can tell them that.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So you can do this actually without your kids knowing it. Is that right? Yeah,
2: you, you can. And then the way in which you react to that like if let's say radley flags you it gives you a red flag says you know something's happening here they're using a hashtag or the pose is too sexy or something like that (laughs) radley also has links to advice on how to talk to your child about that for example it says you know don't go in there and and yank the phone out of their hand and you know throw it in the trash or the garbage disposal or something like that because all you're doing is creating a barrier between you and your child about talking it it basically once a child has been approached by a predator, it becomes a contest between the predator and the parent for the attention of the child. The predator is telling the child, your parents don't love you. They don't trust you. This is why they're coming down hard on you. You know, you're older than you look or you're, you know, you're more mature mature. than they they treat you. I'll treat you like a real woman or a real man and Mm -hmm. you know, come, I understand you. They're going to judge you. I'll never judge you. And so. And
0: uh, yeah, I understand you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And
2: when we explain that to parents, then they can, they can get a sense of like, no matter how mad they get, they can be mad at the situation. They can be very upset with the situation. They can't direct that anger to the child. The child made a mistake and you have to be able to separate out. How do you deal with your child who made a mistake from your anger at the predator or Mm -hmm. your anger at the situation?
0: right well and i think i think that's hard because our natural instinct i think is to just scream and yell and grab that phone and how could you how could you but really the child's the victim here you know the creeper is is the the guilty party and they're the one that deserves the the punishment because truly you know developmentally a 14 15 year old kid cannot think the way an adult does. They're just, uh, they react quickly. They're very uh, vulnerable. They're, you know, they're keeping their eyes open. So I agree with you. I like that approach as hard as it would be for a parent to not come down on the kid. You know, it's like pornography with young boys. You know, parents get so angry with the young boy. And I say, you know, it's not his fault. If you're eight years old or 10 years old and something pops up, Um, you know, boys are shocked and you naturally go back to look at something because you're so shocked. So I think that's great advice. What percent of uh, kids who end up getting sex trafficked actually get free from it and how?
2: It's a very, very small number. Um, There's two really awful statistics. One is that something like 1% of trafficked people ever get rescued if you will right mm-hmm. um and and by let me be careful about rest rescue means that somebody finds them goes in intervenes the police come and they they get you know taken away from it the larger majority eventually reach they hit bottom some point right they hit some point where they can no longer carry on and that's typically many years into their experience, Mm -hmm. uh, into their traumatic experience. And, you know, their life is, uh, is, it's a tragic, um, you know, disaster. And they will sometimes find somebody who can help them and and sort of talk to them and they can move out. And that's in the low tens of, of percents. But the vast majority, they sort of never do. And what ends up happening is they, they will die from, uh, drug overdoses, or they will die from violence, or they will die from, you know, some other, you know, something that's related to the life, a die at the hand of one of their their uh, traffickers or die at the hand of one of their Johns, uh, one of their clients. And, um, you know, many times during their lives uh, in, in this life, they'll have run-ins with police. And so there's another large percent of them that will just end up, you know, incarcerated. Uh, because of drug charges or because of, you know, assault. Or... The girls
0: or the boy, the victims, they end up incarcerated.
2: That is correct. That is while, mm-hmm. while their trafficker tends to not get discovered because he's not exposing himself or she's not exposing herself to that kind of risk. Um, and the Johns tend not to get discovered. And if they do, it's usually just a misdemeanor. The kids who get trafficked get charged with prostitution or they'll get charged with drugs. And, you know, the way that they present to police and the way that police use you know sort of interact with them they don't have a way to to you know send them to some other system all they can do is book them and uh so then they get into the criminal justice system so that's the largest majority hit bottom end up in the criminal justice uh, system
0: could it be that you know kids teenagers are showing um some signs of trauma withdrawal They're not sleeping very well. They're flunking out of school. Um, They start using drugs, or you know, using pot or whatever weed, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And their parents think, well, they're just teenagers. Mm -hmm. Um, Or are the signs of being sex trafficked more severe than that?
2: Uh, So it's it's a mix Um, with sex trafficking. It just the downward spiral happens pretty rapidly. Um, because, again, the sex traffickers goal is to separate that person from friends, from family, from other support structures so that they're totally dependent on the sex trafficker for money, food, etc. And so um, the general, you know, teen rebellion stuff that that parents experience typically isn't going to be the, the symptom. It's the it's the sort of rapid withdrawal from friends, from family, no longer in after school, you know, events Um, no longer can really relate to anybody. And there's another couple of signs like may have some gifts, may have some clothing that Uh, you don't remember buying them. Uh, Maybe have some clothing that's just not appropriate for them. Um, Mm -hmm. Has more than one cell phone. That's another really big thing. Like you provided Mm -hmm. them with a cell phone, but their trafficker will provide them with a cell phone as well that they need to answer, you know, when he or she calls. And so they may find hotel keys in their in their child's purse or you know in the wallet, they'll find a little you know maybe too much cash or something uh, like that. But those are those are the really the telltale signals is the the things that are out of out of the ordinary in clothing and gifts and money and hotel cards and cell phones.
0: Mm. So aside from Radley, are there other well Radley's quite different, but are there other? Um, Restrictions or programs that people can parents can put on their kids' cell phone that will help prevent this kind of a thing.
2: There are a whole host of parental monitoring, you know, softwares out there. Probably the biggest in the space is is an app called Bark, B-A-R-K, and Bark is something that you put on your child's phone and it monitors everything that they do, and it tends to be more appropriate for. Much younger kids about the time the kids in their teens are experiencing, you know, a little bit of independence They tend to rebel against that and then right it can it can cause some damage but the most important thing that uh, a parent can do is is get involved in the way that their child Uses social media for example with my with my daughter uh, You know, I come to her bedroom door. I knock on the door. She'd be in she'd come in uh, She'd been there watching, you know, YouTube videos or something. Hey, what are you watching? Let's, you know, who are your favorite YouTube influencers? You know, can you show me some of the stuff? Let's watch it together. Um, She would say, oh, I I like these two, you know, these two guys because they do practical jokes. So I would sit and watch with her, you know, the things that she thought was funny or she likes this band. And I would sit and watch with her and listen to uh, the music just so that she understood that I showed an interest Mm -hmm. in this life that she had that was virtual in the same way that I would show an interest in her friends and her real life and, and so forth, uh, in the real world. And that's the most important thing that, uh, that a parent can do in monitoring what their child is up to, because as a parent, you will start to get more and more, um, you know, good instincts about, Hey, it looks like my, my child is is kind of falling off the edge here and they're not talking to me anymore. And if I ask where they've been, they flip out and, you know, they're, there's a, I noticed an older boy who looked to be in his twenties dropping my kid off, you know, uh, the last time she came home and, you know, she wouldn't answer questions about it. Those, those are the kinds of things that you'll, that will come up. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, I'll tell you, Roger, I could go on for hours and hours because this is such a terribly important topic. And again, I think through your explanation of it and, um, teaching us what really happens it's really quite different than most of us thought um and so i am so grateful for the work you're doing now you did a documentary with nbc called stolen is that still available for people to see
2: it is it's it's streaming on nbc's streaming app that they call peacock so Mm -hmm. um you know there's hulu there's netflix etc nbc has one called peacock and you can download that, or you can do it uh, online from your computer, and just search for the documentary called "Stolen." And we have, you know, it's a, it's a great documentary to begin with. But on that documentary, you can see examples of, you know, uh, predatory approaches. You can see examples of what you know posts seem to attract the predators. You know, we've talked in abstracts here about some things, but you can actually see some real life examples of, you know, kids' profiles that were that were approached by pro, by predators.
0: Uh, wow. Hard to watch, but critically important. And I would uh, recommend that every, every parent listening look at that and find out about your nonprofit, Humans Against Trafficking, because this is an enormous problem. And I imagine it's going to be one, sadly, that's going to be growing as um, you know, social media just gets a little more sophisticated year after year. Uh, your app is Radley, R-A-D-L-E-E. And Roger, if people wanted to help your organization learn more about what you're doing, uh, where can they find you?
2: Well, you can learn more about the organization at humansagainsttrafficking.org. And I know that's long and it's hard to spell, but uh, if you start typing it in, hopefully Google will autocomplete it for you. But that's humansagainsttrafficking.org is the organization. And the app is available on the Apple App Store under Radley. Just do a search like you would for any other app, R-A-D-L-E-E. And there's a website for the app, too, that gives you more information. If you're not ready to download it or if you just want to learn more, there's a website called GetRadley, G-E-T-R-A-D-L-E-E.com. And uh, that's got all the information and good advice for parents on how to talk to your kid about their online social media
0: usage. Awesome. Well, Roger, this has been a fabulous conversation. I sure appreciate your coming on. And again, thank you so much for the work that you're doing on behalf of our kids and parents across the United States.
2: It's my pleasure, Dr. Meeker. And I I really, again, appreciate the opportunity to reach your audience and the parents, because I think this is, is one of the most important things they need to know about.
0: Yeah, I agree. So now let's recap my points to ponder. One, be on guard. Two, talk to your kids about sex trafficking. Three, teach them to refuse sexual talk. And four, predators can be women. So friends, remember to follow Roger Martin. Check out Humans Against Trafficking. You can learn a lot more at GetRadley.com. That's G-E-T-R-A-D-L-E-E. Dot com. And remember, watch the documentary Stolen. It's disturbing, but every parent needs to see it. And finally, check out his iPhone app called Radley, R-A-D-L-E-E, and download it onto your phone. And parents, remember, check out my PGK private community. Just go to my website, meekerparenting.com. And so until next time, parents, always remember great kids are raised not born
1: hey this is mike producer for dr meg meeker's parenting great kids podcast do you ever find yourself asking what do i do now after you've listened to an episode there are two things parents need to do in order to raise great kids first they need to know what to do in any situation and second they need to know how to do it how is this done through Dr. Meeker's Parenting Great Kids community. Imagine being able to ask Dr. Meeker a specific question about your child. How would that make you feel? No matter what problems you're facing, Dr. Meeker has seen it and is here to help you. In the PGK community, she has a library of digital courses you can learn from on demand. These courses are only available to members of the community. She regularly answers burning questions parents have gives video teachings on specific topics, goes live inside this community, and gives you the encouragement you need. Participating in the community is like being in her office with her. Go to meekerparenting.com for more information about how you can join the Parenting Great Kids community now.